e kore e taia he iho kaifiria. The heart's desire is not possible. Enga iwi e ngā mana, tēnei te mihi ki a koutou katoa e areta ringa mai ana ki tēnei hōtaka a te ahikā. Ko marae rakaraku tēnei. Welcome back Fano Ma. you're listening to Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National, your weekly fix about nā kaupapa Māori, all things Māori. I'm Maraya Rakaraku. This week in Te Ahikā, we have a koroa from Te Whakatōhia. Orangi Pakikino, to be precise, whose upbringing in the Ringatū faith took a bit of a culture shock in 1950s, 1960s South Island. And the beauty of that is it's got the deal, nā kupu Māori. Just to sharpen in the tongue, because when you when I'm down the South Island, it gets rusty. There's no one to speak the language, because most of the faces are all white, and minimal brown faces down there, and minimal of those brown faces speak Māori. Aye. Teriaki Amuamo will be with us in a few moments. As Polynesians voyaged across Moana Nuiakiwa, the Pacific Ocean, artistic medium was determined by resource availability, shifting from wood to cloth to skin. Fast forward a couple of centuries, and Māori design on clothing isn't so much about traditional adornment, but more about a conscious fashion statement. Or is it? Because I'm a little bit... Uh, afraid of having actual moko done, ta moko done, I thought well, it would be ideal to have them on stocking so that they're not permanent and people can change them if they want to. They don't have to have the same one on every day. So then I s- decided to give Lionel a phone call and I said, hey, Lionel, I've got an idea. And he said, what is it? So I told him and he said, well, that's not a stupid idea. Justine Murray hits Māori market in a stall of Māori patterned tights. When Heather Te Ao Skipworth and her tāne came up with the idea of holding an Ironman event targeted at Māori, they had no idea it would take off the way it has. I catch up with Heather at her Hawke's Bay house and what is some rare downtime. sure many of you are over this by now. I mean, it's only been a week, right? Well, if you cast your mind back to the opening ceremony and the wahines singing the anthem World in Union, that was Rhea Hall, and we reckon she's about to hit the big time. Throughout tonight's broadcast, we'll feature Waiata from her self-titled EP, and some of them are stonkingly cool. So let's get on with it, eh? Now, a few weeks ago on Te Ahika, Tyna Keelan, in his song, East Coast Girls, saying about the pitfalls of romance when unknowingly you discover you're related, as in closely, like a first cousin, snapped. Behind the light-hearted play on that awkward scenario is the importance of knowing who you are and where you come from. And that's one of the best things about this job, making connections, those papa links that helps remove barriers and inevitably end up drawing you closer to one another. For my next guest, Tiriaki Amuamo, that's something the 74-year-old does naturally. Throughout our conversation, now you've got to remember, 
I'm supposed to be interviewing him, he constantly makes references to how we're related or people he knows that are my relations. This is a very Māori way of engaging where you, as an interviewer, learn more about yourself from who you're interviewing and it also demonstrates the skill and knowledge of the person being interviewed. They're finding ways of drawing you closer to them, getting rid of barriers. Now, this skill, unfortunately, seems to be generation-specific. Well, in my experience, it is. Te reaki is a product of his time. His parents, Tiwe Amoamo and Te Urututu Kui Gage, were steeped in Te Hahi Ringatu, the Ringatu faith, with Whakapapa stretching from Maniopoto up in Tainui to Natikahanunuki Wairarapa. With his older brothers, he was brought up in a secluded valley, and contact with the outside world and that of Te Ao Pākehā was very limited. In the first part of this interview, Te Riaki talks about that time right up until his life working in the South Island in the late 1950s through to the 1970s. I met Te Riaki a few months ago as alongside five others he was recognised for the work he did within his community with Nga Taonga Toi a Te Waka Toi, Creative New Zealand Awards. My name is Te Riaki Amuamu <laughs> and uh, I'm from Te Whakato here. First of all, before I'm mentioning from the Pukatohi, I was born at uh, Orangi Pakakino. Orangi Pakakino is in the Pukatohi area. Whereabouts? Of Matatua Waka, of the Oportiki area. Whereabouts in Oportiki? Uh, Orangi Pakakino, Rahui, or Maramuti is the closest Monai. So for someone who wasn't from there, where is O Maramutu Marae? O Maramutu Marae is uh, about uh, 15 minutes east of Oportiki on the main highway to the east coast. So it's along the coastline? Uh, along the coastline. It's overlooking the sea. It's elevated on an elevated uh, area land overlooking the sea. You can see White Island and uh, Pai Pai out there, and Whale Island in, in the west. And what's the name of the hapu there, Tiriaki? The name of the hapu is Ngatirua. The full name for Ngatirua is Ngatirua Takinga. And it's a hapu of the Pukato here. One of the six sub-tribes of the Pukato here. Tiriaki Amuamo was saying that he grew up around the tikana of his parents and their old people. His father was Tiwai Amuamo, and he was an expert in the Ringatū faith. He was from Te Whakatōhia. And te uh, Our mother was Te Urututu Kui Gage. She was from Te Whanau Apanui. 
her mother was from Mumarumutsu. Her father was Horigate. What about schooling? What did you do for school? Maori native school. He grew up there. Hiroting so you grew up in a world that was very much immersed in Tikano Māori and learning karakia at a young age. Aye, not to make it wrong on Tariga. And as you were growing up, where, what kind of impact was the Pākehā world having upon your world? Well, the impact we were brought up at Orangi Pakakino on a dairy farm. That's Pākehā world. On the dairy farm, you're on the land. And on the land, you got cows, you got horses, you got pigs, you got fowls. And there's commercialisation in that. Your cream, your milk goes to the factory. Your pigs go to the, to the sale. And same with your care, cows, your calves, the puppy calves and all that sort of thing. And we saw that, and even to have uh, ploughing up, disking of the land, and and harrowing, and karapaya, mahikai, kumara, weramea, liwai, kamokamo. Gardening with kumara, potatoes, and pumpkins. I grew up around that's what I learned. That's what I grew up around. would go to the marae Working at the back. Working and growing up around the people you know, you had an instant recognition of each other's whakapapa links. He did all that before he learned to be, before he went off to learn how to be a soldier. Was that the first time you had left? Aye. compulsory yeah, okay. As I was growing up, 
So that's 18 years old, you went to the Papakura military camp for 10 weeks and it was compulsory military training. And it's compulsory at that time. You have to. So that's about 1915 there. That's right. In the middle of 1950s. So this is, even though the war, the Second World War has been over for five years. That's right. But it's a training for, in case there's wars, like Japan, not Japan, Korea. And after Korea, you get the Asian, you know, theatre, Malaya and all that uh, thing into Vietnam. Did you ever serve? No, just within New Zealand itself. And then after that? And when I really first left home altogether was to go right to the bottom of the South Island. Bluff. Bluff, right. (laughs) Right, because there there was a freezing works there. And the name of the freezing work was Ocean Beach. One of our whanos married into Ngati Mamoy from there. And he asked, what's the Māori name for Ocean Beach? Because you can see Stewart Island and Awadua Harbour on the inside. It's just a little neck of land that where the, where the freezing work is. I said, oh, I, I don't know. And then he said, oh, it's Mona Kiuta, Ocean Beach. <laughs> And I said, that'll be it, Monakiuta, Ocean Beach. So I uh, worked there for about seven seasons, you know, going back backwards and forth. But on the w- when I do go home, and then I always, I mean, I had to go at 12 is on. I did, uh, uh, the freezing works is about five months, the season finish. Six months, the season finish. Then I go back home to the farm. And whenever the 12th is on, and um, I go to the 12th because being brought up into that sort of thing, the karakia. So what you're talking about is the 12th yeah, is uh, part of the Ringatū Church. religion, church. And the beauty of that is it's got the real ngākupu Māori. Just a sharpening the tongue because when, you, when I'm down the South Island, it gets rusty. There's no one to speak the language. Because most of the faces are all white and minimal brown faces down there. And minimal of those brown faces speak Māori. Were you still practising hapati? Hapati? Aye. When you were down there? Aye, Which is another component Aye. of building a two church. Yeah, it's the Sabbath. Aye. Aye. Kia ora. So you were down there for seven uh, seasons at yeah, Ocean and Beach? and then later on, and then I joined the sharing industry. And one of our ones that come from Waimana was uh, Joe Kereopa. 
and Joe covered a big area within the shearing itself. He can cook or he can be on the on the table or in the room or he can or he can swing a handpiece. So he covered a bee. So he was down down there, and the brother was the sharing contractor at Teano in Northern Southland. Oh, well, you had some people to call it all Māori too. Aye, you And that was us working. Well, what they could be happy. Aye, maramano moera kita aye kita mai. Would go to work. Ah, nga maramata rau much. In the summer, when it was ready to share the sheep. Te reaki, it sounds like you've seen quite a bit of the country. I've well spent most of my working life in the South Island. We covered the, the breadth of the South Island, like living out of a suitcase. What I mean, when you share, you go, you move from place to place. From shed to shed. Shed to shed. From shed to shed. It started up in Marlborough, and from Marlborough, the contractor was from there, and then we used to even go into, right out to Cook Strait on Queen Charlotte Sound, Cape Jackson, right there, and out into the Pilora Sounds, out to Waitui and Chitirangi, the stations there and all around in Marlborough and then up in North Canterbury and down to Waimate, South Canterbury and in behind Dunedin to Middlemarch to Ranfurly to Naseby in that area and finally into the Southland area around in Wicargle and uh, Teano. It's very different down in the South Island compared to up uh, home there. Yeah. Yes, it's it's a beautiful country. Really, New Zealand is a beautiful country. It's two different islands with two different, uh, you know, the uh, the outlay. By looking at the mountains, and they've got mountains down there, and the mountains is the length and breadth of the of the South Island backbone, the the Southern Alps. What the uh, Ngaitahu elders uh, refer to when it's covered in snow is the Koinati Kurawai, the Atwa. The covering of the Southern Alps well, in snow is like a cloak that's been placed upon them by the gods. And when did you decide to go home? Oh, I had to go home because uh, the parents were getting older and uh, Dad's eyesight was failing for driving and had to go home and look after him rather than send, send him into a coma to a flat or into a pension or flat. If they bought us up when we were small, we should be able to look after them when they're old. So by going home and then he, and straight away it's getting less people on the marae of our Māori elders on the marae. So I had to go, go into that field again to sharpen, to sharpen the knowledge of, uh, of Māori them so it wouldn't be lost. And not only that, and to learn others as well, the, the coming generation, because the language is, uh, especially in our area, is not as great as what in uh, area where Mariah comes from 
and in two way. But at least he's still holding, he's holding there. We hope to have it maintained that way, but uh, it appears there's a time coming. I know, but uh, that's why we're here at the Wakatoi. Yeah, the Wakatoi is, uh, it's not for me to say I've done this and I've done that. It's for my people to say that. Because there's a, the saying, like our mother said, I'm a way for Kandui Yahweh, but the tongue of the way for Kandui. It's not for you to talk about yourself, but for others to do it. So I'm just another leaf on the tree. All the leaves make that tree grow, and I'm just another leaf on that tree. Kia ora, tereaki amuamo. No te here. A longer version of that cordial is at our website, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash te ahikā. That's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. And while there, you can click onto archival material from past broadcasts and photos. There's a lovely one of Te Riaki and some of his whānau. <laughs> te ahikā, Radio New Zealand National. A few weeks ago in Wellington it was Māori market and art these days needn't be limited to what's hanging on the wall or stylistically arranged on a shelf. How about printed on tights? Now as I've been walking around having a look at the various um, art for sale something kind of, well, sticks out amongst the rest and I'm here to talk to Leilani Rickard. Kia ora Leilani. Kia ora. If we could start please by you explaining where you're from, your iwi, your hapu. I'm from Rotorua and um, Tiarawa and Ngāti Pikea. Kia ora. Now Leilani, you spoke of a trio of you that are creating what? We, create, we have come up with a uh, stocking with Māori design on. Um, there's three of us. Uh, our designer is Lionel Grant. Uh, Pania Skinner, who's an architect by trade, has done a lot of the graphics and a lot of the, the hard work getting us to where we are today with our... Um, business plan and myself I'm a weaver by trade and so originally I came up with the idea as I was walking because I do a lot of walking I get my husband to walking drop me off around, around I get dropped off at the route, uh, the airport at Rotorua yes. and walk home to Okere Falls and Oh, that's a few Ks. Few Ks I'm quite familiar with Rotorua so what's yeah. that? Is that about 10? No, no, no it's uh, about... 13, 14k, but yeah. So I decided one day when I'm walking, I came up with the, the idea of, gosh, you know, um, I'd be keen to see some design, Māori design on, on stockings and because I'm a little bit uh, afraid of having an actual moko done, ta moko done, I thought well, it would be ideal to have them on stockings so that they're not permanent and people can change them if they want to. They don't have to have the same one on every day. So then I decided to give Lionel a phone call and I said, hey Liney, I've got an idea and he said, what is it? So I told him and he said, well that's not a stupid idea. So he got on the computer and started playing around with a leg and putting the design on. So it all sort of started from there and then we approached the only stocking manufacturer in New Zealand down in Gisborne, Columbine. So yeah, it's been a bit of a long process from the first stage and to, 
Wellington is the first to see the range that we have of uh, the stockings, and it's been huge. Can't believe the the interest and yeah, people just buying, buying, buying. Yeah, so unbelievable. But the original concept was tamoko, and in a sense, this is patterned or tamoko, mm. patter, uh, Māori patterned legs, um, but just in the design of on, on stockings. Yes, yes. So. Lionel's our designer, so he does, yeah, the... he does all the designs for us, and then he uh, speaks with the machinist who actually sets up the machinery, and so he spent a bit of time with him down in um, Gisborne, to, so he knew what the process was, and so that he knew that the designs were being put onto the stocking, how they should be, and yeah, so we've got... Uh, our tamoko range is coming in a couple of weeks, so we have uh, footless at the moment and a full pantyhose in a red and black and a charcoal and black. <laughs> and you've yeah, got a burnt orange coming, black. But yeah, all the ladies, and as I say, the men just yeah, blown away by the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about Lionel Grant designing the um, the stockings, and with, with Lionel, I mean, he's a renowned carver, yes, yeah, sculptor, yes, mm. carver, sculptor. Yes, so in his busy schedule, he's been sitting doing designs for us, and even though we know, you know, he's got so much on his plate with his work, but he's still taken the time to and and knew that this was something that was going to be, yeah, huge, and yeah, we can see just by the interest and even various people that have approached us about you know mm. going overseas with the with the product yeah. and you spoke about um has the product only been launched a week ago yeah only a week we were at miramoda where we were invited oh, yes. by um tarina cowan and atta Takanawa. uh see initially we we went to uh, Maria Gray at Trade and Enterprise with our two legs because we only had two designs at that Did time. Did you take of, a mannequin? Yeah, well, I had a mannequin leg, two legs, and then we had nothing to put them in, so we put them in a black rubbish bag and then carted them off to Trade and Enterprise. And then before we knew it, we were down at Fashion Week. She wanted us to meet Atta Tikanawa. And Middlemore organises the Fashion Week. Yes. Yep. And so Atta was busy, so she sent Tarina to speak with us and before we knew it we were invited down to Miramoda last Friday so we had them there and people were saying oh, are they on the catwalk? No, sorry because we're only new to the, the scene so from there somebody suggested why don't we come to Māori Market so Pani and I sort of thought oh gosh we've just been to Wellington a big expense for us to come back down and then we thought no just go for it. Lionel said to us look you know you've got to go so we just Borrowed my brother's van <laughs> and piled it up with our stockings. Pile in the yeah. van. Who all came down? Just the three uh, just, of you? Just Pani and myself. But we call ourselves Iwi Creations. Iwi Creations. Mm. So, Leilani, do you have a, um, a business background at all? Uh, oh, you... not really. As I say, I'm a weaver by trade. You're a weaver by trade. Yeah, and I actually made my brother Chris and I make Pew Pew. Big time um, for the last 30 years. Like and bulk pew pew for pew. Well, you actually did, I just recently did some for Nati Puniki for the Young Juniors group um, and met up with 
Theresa McGregor from Māori Media, and um, she was in charge of um, organising this. So I met, got to meet her at Muramoda, which was yeah, amazing. You make beautiful people and only speak to them on the phone. And then I got to meet her, so that was... Yeah, that was so then practically, Leilani, how do you, as a weaver... How do your skills translate into making stockings? Making stockings? Oh, I don't know. I've, I've done pew-pew, uh, I've done wearable art, and I've like done a lot of... Well, I like fashion, and I have four granddaughters. And so then I've been dabbling in with a, a group of spinners and weavers, and I've been doing merino and mocha. And I'm thinking to myself... Man, you know, I've got to utilise other um, aspects of weaving, maybe. But okay, the, the stockings are woven, not by me, but by woven, but they are woven. You know, they're not screen printed. Put it that way, they are actually woven, and that's I think the difference between screen printing something and weaving it. And I'm just, yeah, just fortunate that we've got Lionel to to come and on board. And it was your and idea design, in, yeah. in the first place. Oh. <laughs> I'm with uh, Leilani Rickard, a weaver from Rotorua. Um, can we just have a... We'll go and have a look at some of the stockings. If you could just explain, please, Leilani. Thank you. Let's grab this. Thank you. So we're standing in front of the uh, mannequin leg, um, displaying the uh, the stocking. What, what, what's the name? Is there a brand well, this name? Is, this is Tipu, the Tipu design we have on the red and black and on the charcoal and black. We've got a koru in the black. Pania's got our chocolate. Um, well, Pania's modelling the chocolate. Yes, and I've got the, the charcoal, full pantyhose. And they're not printed? No, they're you, woven. It's, they're woven? They're woven on a machine, yeah. They, they actually put the design onto the stocking and then they dye them. All right. Mm, so this is why our tattoo range is... Is a little behind because they've got the stockings ready, but they haven't actually put them through the dye oh, okay. to get the pattern. They all come out white, actually. Yeah, so once they come off the manufacturing um, line, they're all white, and then the colour's selected, and then they get dyed from that point on. So this is Pania. Yes, Pania. So Pania is another part of the trio. And um, so what's the, yeah? You talked about. Um, Wellington and the response that you've had so far it's only day two we can't believe the amazing response and people saying oh they walk down see somebody in a pair of the stockings where do you get those stockings from and down they come so and like not just one pair it's three pair four pair how do you decide on price point well, we just sort of wanted to keep... They're $35 a pair. Yes. And uh, we just heard from a lady that she pays for a um, br certain brand about $55. So she was just blown away that ours are $35. And she said the quality and that they're New Zealand made. But they're very stretchy, so there's not a problem with... Um, I take it... I mean, I'm no dainty little thing, but I, I've got an average well, you on. know, Māori woman are... You know, but there's quite a few of us that are size. Yes, Pania. So, I mean, it caters for quite yeah, a Oh, yeah, big range. Wide, yep. And like I say, um, usually if somebody's a little bit, you know, bigger, we suggest the tall. The tall. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of few uh, ladies that are coming up. Oh, I think I'm too fat for them. I said, definitely not. You're not too fat for them. You just take a tall, you'll be right. And wouldn't it be gorgeous because I can just see the nannies wearing these two, like, oh, to pohiri, to yeah. tangi, you know, because with their black, um, the rest yes, of their black yes. ensemble, they're beautiful. Just give it, a, add a little special touch to their 
their, their clothing yeah, with a bit of design. Even of the aunties and the queers, we've got an online shop. So for those that can't come into the city or find us, they can find us online and order online. Oh, it's really, really convenient, eh? That's the way that everybody's heading. Fantastic. And we'll just have a look at these designs. Um, so this is a red and black. So I would imagine that this one is like stands out amongst the lot, the red. That's um, yeah, it does actually. It's quite a fashion statement on the legs, and um, it's been really quite popular with um, a range of ladies, eh? From young through to to older ladies, um, it draws a lot of attention. Uh, even a lot of men look at these legs, the red ones, yeah, yes. Yeah. And sometimes the men take notice of the the red ones first before the ladies, so they're quite <laughs> eye catching. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, we have the kuru and the footless range, so yeah. Two more days, I know, yeah, two more days to go in Māori Market. Yes, and, so um, I think, yeah, we've got a, a, a big stock in the van, but I just hope we can last out for the next couple of days. But fingers crossed you'll run out. Yes, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Empty the van out before you go home. <laughs> you light a load. <laughs> Kia ora Leilani and Pania. Thank you very much. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora, Jussie Murray with Pania Skinner and Leilani Rickard of Iwi Creations. That was at Māori Market. We have photos and links to their website. It's at radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. Iron Māori is an Iron Man aimed at Māori. And when it started a few years back, who knew it would pull together masses of Māori from all over the country to Hawke's Bay? Certainly not co-founder Heather De O. Skipworth. So was it inevitable that you would end up creating an event like Iron Māori? You come from a sporting family? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Had you been in marathons before? No, no, I came from a um, netball and touch rugby and yeah. rugby league and rugby background. Um and yeah, just I um, am a lifestyle coach for a, a lot of whanau who are full of figured, and I thought I'll get them into triathlons because there's no um, pressure, you know, they can swim as slow as they want. And that's pretty much how it all started. And then I made them do it before I had done one. And I'm a believer that I have to practice what I preach, so I thought, well, I've got to put myself in there too, and quite enjoyed it. So I gave up my other sports and went. Um, into triathlons yeah. and this just seems to be taking off yeah yeah it's kind of um, yeah blown me away a bit so tell me what, what's the approach that makes it you know makes it Māori I think it's the whanaungatanga triathlons are deemed as a um, middle class white man's individual sport but because we've um, added the whanaungatanga component in there um, and the probably the pono and um, the Wairua, Tetaha and Henengaro, all that, all those um, parts, yeah, I think that's why it's taken off. So you're going into your third year now. What are some of the things that have changed since your first year? Um, we've got a lot more confidence, yeah. Um, our race director helps us along to make sure that we do all things right and we keep our whānau safe. Um, Obviously, we start off with a karakia and whatever we do, whether it's an info evening, a training run, um, the day, you know, everything starts with a karakia, so we cover ourselves that way. Um, but, yeah, also just following along the um, 
the rules and regulations, policies and procedures. And as word has got around to Māori communities, are you finding that there are more and more competitors? Um, Completers, probably, more so than competitors. Um, Yeah, and a lot of people are only just finding out now, especially after the doco. Um, and, yeah, they want to be a part of it as well. So do you mean, Heather, it's not so much about competition but more about whanaunga tanga and com- completing it? Aye, aye. It's more about, um, yeah, about completion and um, giving people that sense of belief that they can do anything. So it doesn't have to be that they go off and they do an Ironman or they go off and they do a marathon. More so um, in terms of their health, if they've got troubles with their health or even a career. You know, um, I used to be on the dole, and um, I now work for myself. So there's there's always possibilities if you believe in yourself. As easy as it sounds, um, sounds a bit too easy. Yeah, because you know you can believe in yourself and things don't necessarily happen. It, it isn't really that easy. Um, we've had so many people that we've mentored and they've reached milestones, and then we've set another one and they've thought again, no, I can't do that, and then off they go and hit hit the sky and live on a high and then set another one. So it's it's the whanaungatanga that will keep you setting your goals. And you've always lived here in Pakipaki, the community of Pakipaki? I probably moved out of Pakipaki for about a year and a half of my life when I got to... So this is where you grew up? Yeah. I lived down the road in the family homestead and then moved out when I was about 18, wanted to see the big wide world. See me tasting. Me tasting. Couldn't wait to leave Pakipak and thought I'll never come back and came back once and then went back out and then had my family and thought, nah, I'm going to take my family home. So, yeah. Yeah, because this is kind of like, this has got a real village feel. Yeah. And, you know, the big smoke's just 10 minutes up the road, eh? Yeah, the kids can wander free and, mm. um, mind you, you can't leave your house open like you used to, but, you know, you're pretty much knowing everybody. And if somebody gets ripped off, you know who did it, so... So how many people live in this community? I think there's around about 300, whānau, yeah. And what what's their take on the whole Iron Māori thing? Uh, I don't know. Um, my auntie, Hedda, that lives next door, she stopped my husband last week and just said she was so proud um, to see her marae and her hometown. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't sort of go out and say, what do you think of what I've done? <laughs> yeah. yeah. guess yeah. it's just getting there. Mm. Because you are one busy lady. How does your day start? Um, it starts with Tuesdays and Thursdays. No, no, no. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, my brother and I, we take a swim squad. I'm already swim squad in Hastings. That starts about quarter past five. We get up. Starts at six till seven. Um, so is that four potential completers? Yeah, yeah. Anybody. Or even if they're not doing the event or if they whanau of people that are doing the event, anybody can come along. Um, and I tend to do a lot of my training in, after, in the evenings, after I've done my mahi that I get paid for. And then there's ai Māori, which is just a love. And then, um, and then yeah, I try and fit my training in around everything else. Ai Māori is, um, is run by a Te Tema Tangaroro Trust. And that's a family trust? No, no, it's a, um, it started off as a friend trust and now it's a, um, well, I suppose you'd call it a professional trust. <laughs> um, and we started off running um, just smaller distance events like little 2K walks and just hikoi um, events just to get whānau active. And then um, 
we took a couple of teams to the Great Lake Relay in Topor and supported them and then yeah after I had my vision I suppose after my Ironman I thought let's go bigger and let's do an, a bigger event for our whanau. So you've now branded Iron Māori? Yeah yeah Iron Māori is um is branded to the business that I own which is Iron Māori Limited myself and Missy Mackie and our husbands um and we run a lifestyle coaching business out of that business. But um, we let the trust run the event, um, Iron Māori. So, yeah, it's two totally separate um, organisations. Okay, so Heather, say somebody wants to do the event. What sort of programme would you suggest that they do? Um, there's a there's a programme on our um, website that for beginners and then there's if they wanted to do if they've already done I Māori and they want to step it up then they can email um there's a man Shane Harrison and he writes free programs for our whanau and the address is www.ironmaori.co.nz so so that they don't have access to the internet what would you suggest Get off the couch and start walking for 20 minutes? Uh, probably not even that. Like, um, in my role as a lifestyle coach, some of our whānau have been 250 kgs, 200 kgs, and I'd probably kill them if I told them to walk for 20 minutes. So um, it's basically doing a little bit more than you're used to and getting a little bit uncomfortable um, in your walking. And once that becomes comfortable, then you make it a bit longer. Um, we started off telling people, you know, taking them through a um, workout program in their homes, and then we thought, no, they're not going to do that if we're not there. And the most natural form of exercise is walking. So we just try and get them to do that. Obviously, if they're too um, big, then we try and get them in the water, but then there's the self-conscious issues as well. So we just work with our whānau. Um, our program's home-based, so they don't have to go to a gym, they don't have to pay money. And they still feel safe and secure in their own environment. So by home you mean you're mobile? Yes. You will go to their yeah. home? Yes. Because I'm getting, I, I'm guessing that's all part of the the motivation, the ongoing motivation. Mm. They won't do it for themselves, but maybe they'll do it for you. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have, they're actually sick of being the way they are. Um, and I've spoken to my mum. Um, my dad was an alcoholic and he reformed himself. Um, in the doco, it mentioned my husband was a um, drug user and he's reformed himself. So you're talking about a documentary that played on Māori television? Aye, aye. Um, and so um, I don't see the, uh, with our clients who are obese and that, I feel they have a food addiction. And it's not as easy as people say, just go for a walk or just don't eat takeaways or just don't eat food. It's, it's like telling an alcoholic to throw down the bottle. It's, it's no different. And that's what the business is doing, is helping them with that. It's more just mentoring them and supporting them and encouraging them. If there's a weight loss, that's a bonus. Um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just getting in there and supporting them. Now, the next Iron Māori event is in December? Yes. And tell me about the circuit. It's a, um, it's a two-kilometre swim. Um, so if you were in a, a normal <laughs> normal um, pool, swimming pool, which is usually 25 metres at the um, local centres, you'd be swimming that length 80 times. Um, and then it's a 90-kilometre cycle, which is a fair way. So in distance, say from 
uh, Hastings to close to Danivec. Yeah, you'd be doing you'd be doing about that distance. That's, that's a significant distance. It is, and then a um, twenty-one k run, which would be from Hastings to Napier, which isn't quite so bad. Uh, if you're doing it, it's quite sore. <laughs> of course, um, but you don't have to do it as an individual. You can do it in a team of three or a team of two. Somebody can do two disciplines, um, and yeah, a half Ironman is myself as a. Um, quite physical looking athlete I find it hard and so I, I take my hat off to all our whanau that um, give it a go because it's not easy and people that say that it's easy they've been asleep for a while obviously but it's definitely not easy even the elites say it's not an easy thing so now you talk about completers but it's still a competitive event isn't it um, so there's prize money no there's no prize money we only have trophies. Um, we don't, yeah, we don't have prize money. We looked at that and then we thought, no, then um, it wouldn't be targeting the people that we want. And you'll end up with a lot of elite athletes and less completers. Um, but we also like the elite ones there um, to give our whānau and um, a lot of inspiration and aspirations to be just like them. Especially our rangatahi, we've got a lot of rangatahi coming in now. And last year our two um, Māori first um, entrant, uh, first people home, um, a lot of the rangatahi around here just looked up to them and said, you know, they want to be just like them, so that's why they're there. Kia ora, here the Te Skipworth. Now the next Iron Māori event is in December. If you want the details, head through to our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash Te And if you want to get in touch with us, you can at any time at at radionz.co.nz. E kore e taia he iho kaifidia. The heart's desire is not possible. Now what this whakatauki means to me is that we can't have all the things we think we want, even though we really, really want them. Next week, Justine will be back on board, and I'm with law lecturer Anime Kaide discussing her book, Colonising Mythologies, Indigenous Realities. E ki. He mihi tēnei ki nga kai kōrero i tēnei wiki, kia ora te riaki a māomo. Atu i tērā ki nga kai hanga kōrero i runga i te rorohiko, nga mihi, hoki mai hei tērā rātapu, mai te whānau a te ahi kā, ki a tātou katoa, mauri ora. <tune>